trailing three. Good protection. Pass the right cross. Oh, touchdown. Tampa Bay. Oh, Jay Howard. Fire them cannons. What a play. We are Bucks Nation, SB Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at BucksNation.com. Episode 4 of Season 3 of the Bucks Nation Flagship Podcast kicks off now. Welcome into Bucks Nation. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. Find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation and follow the show at Bucks Nation Pod. And I'm Chris Schoner, and you can find me at Cynical Bucks Fan. Hey, let's go ahead and start off talking about Julian Edelman. This is uh, late breaking news in the past couple weeks. We've heard about Julian Edelman retiring from football. He's done, Chris. This is crazy. 12 years with the New England Patriots. He is officially retired. As part of the process for him to be retired, the Patriots have to release him. He did fulfill uh, the contract, which was a two-year contract for about $15.5 million or so. He, he fulfilled that contract. He was officially released by the Patriots as part of that process. And one of the things that came out of that was he didn't pass his physical. So you, you've heard about the, the, the knee injury, right, yeah. that he sustained. Yeah. He only played six games last year, and apparently he did – he was on IR. He was planning on making a return later on in the season. He made it as far as hitting the practice field, but he did not hit the playing field. I, what do you think about the injury and the physical? I mean, is this... I mean, I mean, the guy's 34 years old. You have to think that that, that has something to do with it. You know, I, I look at this... He's breaking down, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, especially because he is that, you know, he was that slot guy that would come in, take those short little pivot routes, take those little five yard digs, and he'd get blown up all the time. Linebackers would be crashing down, safeties would be crashing down. And he's he's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, his body's probably gonna fall apart after a while, and that that injury might have just been it for him. Six hundred and twenty receptions, six thousand eight hundred and twenty-two yards with thirty-six touchdowns. In his career, he actually holds a record, somewhat of a record. It's not like a top record, but uh, he's up there. 118 postseason receptions only behind Jerry Rice at 151. So his postseason career is one of the best in the league. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. If they had a postseason NFL Hall of Fame, put that guy in first ballot. Okay. I mean, think about how many times the Patriots not only made it to the playoffs every year, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, he was one of Tom Brady's top target receivers. You know, he's always open in the flat. He's always open underneath. And he always went to him in, in crunch time moments. And that's, that's why this guy got so, much, so many targets. And that's why he's, he's up on that list. I was, I mean, everyone was saying Edelman was coming to Tampa Bay. This, this is a no brainer. They even said it last season. They said it at the beginning of last season, bring Edelman to Tampa Bay. And this was before the knee injury, bring Edelman. You brought Kronk, you brought AB. Why not Edelman? Like keep, just keep piling them on. You can't have enough weapons. That was like, I don't know. It just seemed to be the the play that all the fans and everyone was playing. And obviously us in the media, we we were just latching onto it, having fun with it. Did you ever think that Edelman would make it here to Tampa? 
No, I really don't think I did. And, and I don't think he really fits what Bruce Arians is looking for in a slot receiver. And I don't think he can play on the outside. You know, he puts Scotty Miller, a similar size guy, but who plays very differently on the outside. And, and he's got his, his slot guys to play, you know, like Chris Godwin playing in the, in the blocking role, coming down and crashing down on ends and linebackers. And, and I know that everybody tried to tie anyone that even had a cup of tea with Tom Brady. They tried to link him to the Bucks. And, and that's just something that comes with, with having Tom Brady on her team. And, and I think a lot of uh, people saying that it was a no brainer, you know, maybe needed to take a look at, at uh, the way this offense operates a little bit more. Yeah, very true. I mean, it's funny because they, you're right. If they had a cup of tea with Tom Brady, but Julian Edelman and, and Tom Brady are actually good friends. And, and it seems like everyone that Tom Brady is advocating for, right? Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Hey, bring this guy in. He's going to be good, right? He's the one that's kind of, you know, the whisper in the ear with Jason and uh, and Bruce going, you know, that this guy would be good with me. And it, they made it happen. So it kind of made, you know, it, it, there was a sense of belief factor to it. I, I do have to agree. I think after last year, if they didn't bring Edelman in last year, they certainly aren't going to bring him in this year. I think the speculation started happening a little bit more because Antonio Brown has yet to sign with the Bucks, So that was another thing, right? Um, I, I mean, look at, look at Edelman's, look, look at how much they, they got paid. AB got paid what 1.7 something million with incentives. And Julian Edelman is coming off of a two year, 15 and a half million dollar contract. Not really incentive uh, laden either. So kind of night and day there. It's kind of like, do you think the Bucks could actually afford him? I, I just, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I mean, the only reason they were able to afford Antonio Brown is because people were looking at him like Superman looks at kryptonite. Nobody wanted to touch him. And it oh, he was, wasn't it joining was, another team. Absolutely. Yeah, no, nobody else wanted him. Tom Brady really got him back probably into the league. I don't think anybody would have really touched him <laughs> after all that. And, you know, having him bring him in uh, at that price was only possible because of all that. You know, he probably would have made more than Edelman if he didn't have all that behind him. You're listening to Bucks Nation. I'm Jason Curtis. You can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation. I'm here alongside Chris Schoenhair at Cynical Bucks Fan. We've been talking about Julian Edelman and his retirement after 12 years with the New England Patriots. He is officially hanging up the cleats, and it does not look like he will be coming to Tampa Bay. It just does not make sense, especially if he's not passing physicals. And if that knee injury is honestly uh, lingering much farther than that, uh, than that six games that he played last season, I, I, I just don't see why the Bucks would want to try and afford that. Uh, you know, that's a huge liability to take on, man. I just don't think that it's worth it. In other news, Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times reports that the Buccaneers will not be participating in the offseason workout program. Chris, what are you making of this? Well, I mean, now they're the third team to do it after Seattle and, and Denver also made those calls today. And, and I mean, look, we're living in this world where there's this whole pandemic going on and, and people are looking out for their families. And, and in my opinion, like the, these players are people too, and they have families, they go home and they have to spend time with all of them. And if they're interacting with somebody and they get it, they could potentially bring harm and i totally understand them trying to uh avoid doing that well what was it this time last year the players were 
literally opting out of the season of the 2020 season. And, and they had a deadline so that the NFLPA and the NFL came to an agreement of a deadline that basically says, and an agreement that they said, Hey, listen, you give us until next time, give us a date. That's fine. We understand that you want to, you know, you got to put benchmarks on these things, but we've got to be allowed to opt out of the season and not lose our roster spot, not lose our roster spot. We can opt out for the year, but you can't drop us just willy-nilly, right? Ah, but come back 2021 doesn't mean that you can't lose your roster spot then. <laughs> you still got to compete, man. You still got to compete. I agree. I, You know, there is still a significant pandemic going on. Florida has opened up the, the, the vaccinations. It's now 16 or older that can get the uh, vaccination. I think it's in certain cities and certain areas. Obviously, there are priorities uh, based on children with pre-existing conditions, things like that. But 16 or older, it seems to be a lot of areas like Tampa, Miami, Orlando, bigger metropolitan or semi-metropolitan areas where the pandemic obviously struck the hardest are being allowed to get that vaccination a little bit more distributed, a little bit more freely. So Florida is opening up the, the vaccination. And um, the numbers still went up. We... We had 8,000 new cases uh, just the other day, uh, and, and that was the largest spike since February. But that might be because the restrictions are loosening a little bit more. Uh, you know, obviously, the uh, the vaccination is getting out. Uh, you know, I it could be a temporary spike. Obviously, we haven't seen it since, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it is. But everyone needs to realize that, yeah, there is a pandemic still going on, and I'm not being an advocate, I'm not condoning, I'm not condemning it either way. This is not the show for that. I'm just saying there is a pandemic and these players are obviously still taking it very seriously. Here's the statement that came out of the uh, the press release that came out of one buck place. We are choosing to take a stand with other players across the league and exercise our right to not participate in the, in the voluntary offseason program. We had a fully virtual offseason last year and we held each other accountable to do the work it took to win. And we plan to do that again. Well, I mean, they, they did that and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. And I know that every single team had to do, or almost every single team probably had to do that last year. Probably. I, I yeah, every team. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, every team did that. And they had an entire virtual off season and, and everybody came in. Nobody it, was it treated looked, differently. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it, it did look a little sloppy, you know, in, in the first few weeks, like there was the whole, Yeah. It definitely looked like they didn't practice together as often as they do in a normal preseason. Well, and, I mean, this was and, a brand new team that was just put together. I mean, this was a freaking Frankenstein experiment, uh, you know, that did go right. But eventually, yeah, you're right. you're, you, you eventually, <laughs> eventually went right. You are right. There was very, very up and down for at least a good uh, 10 weeks. <laughs> oh, at least, at least. I I, I agree. I, I think that. Every team was able to address their, you know, address their strengths. These guys found a way to work. And yeah, they broke some rules. And yeah, Tom Brady went out to, uh, you know, that prep school and and a couple guys were were out throwing unmasked and all that other stuff. And so, yeah, it was a little bit against protocol, right? I mean, throwing a ball, touching, you know, and obviously they were probably high-fiving and doing things that they probably should not have been doing that early in the pandemic, according to CDC protocols. But Needless to say, they found a way, they got it done, uh, and Tom Brady was still breaking into houses. 
<laughs> maybe maybe it was the pan maybe it was uh covid maybe he got covid and he got a little door disoriented how's that florida heat <laughs> it is that florida <laughs> man that, that was an interesting couple months his first few months so what did he do like there was a couple things he he broke into a house he uh and that he thought was byron leftwiches i think or something like that and thought he could just make himself at home oh yeah he was play, he was practicing working out at a public park and a police officer cited him and didn't realize who he was and then once he realized who he was uh you know still had to cite him and i think it may have been a warning or something small but the mayor of Tampa even called him out on social media and said, you know what? You know, as much as we love you being here, Tom Brady, uh, you know, we have to be fair to all of our citizens here in Tampa. and We have to enforce the protocols that are in play. Needless to say, the Bucks will not be participating in the offseason workout program. And that is by by choice. Uh, so many of you that were looking at OTAs, uh, happening within the next couple of weeks. It will not happen for several teams, right, Chris? Yeah, so it, it is the uh, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks are also not going to be participating. And I think, you know... Citing the, the same reasons? Yes, yeah. And I think some of the players found that to be a little less than uh, than okay for them. Um, and they, I think one of them took to social media. I didn't, didn't see exactly who it was, uh, but somebody didn't seem too happy about it. So it might have been a team decision. I'm not sure if they all voted on it or, or how they handled it, but uh, it seems like maybe a few people weren't too too excited about that. They weren't fond of it, huh? Yeah. Interesting. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, Chris. And uh, up next, we're going to go ahead and kick off block two with a very special guest, a man who needs no introduction here on Bucks Nation. However, if you're looking at the title of this uh, podcast, you obviously know who it is. Mr. Evan Winter of Bucks Report will be joining us when we return. We'll be talking Buccaneers headlines with Chris and I. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back in, everybody. This is Block Two of the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. I'm Jason Curtis at JC Bucks Nation alongside Chris Schoenhair, and you can find him at Cynical Bucks Fan. You can find the show at Bucks Nation Pod. Our special guest, now the lead writer for Bucks Report and the new host of the Believe in Bucks podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Evan underscore winner, although he needs no introduction here on Bucks Nation. Welcome back home, Mr. Evan Winner. How you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? How's it going? So I guess this is what E.T. felt like whenever uh, e. he, finally, he finally phoned home, right? Listen, man, you've always got a place here. <laughs> feels good. It feels good. Like, I feel like there should be a warm bowl of stew waiting on me, you know, in, like, my favorite spot on the couch, you know, like, like grandma's house or something. Well, listen, like we always said, like we said at the, the end of last season was, uh, you know, you always have a spot here, always love the banter, going back and forth with you, and... Uh, Obviously, following in your footsteps has been extremely humbling, and hopefully we're we're, we're carrying the torch as uh, proudly as we can here at Bucks Nation. Hey, hey, let's just put it this way. The torch was a candle when I left, and from what I've been listening to and seeing on Bucks Nation, it is now an official LED uh, pole headlight, so y'all are doing excellent work, man. 
keep no, it. No, the whole team's doing a great job. And it's nice to obviously have the Believe Podcast Network as part of the community with Bucks Nation. And it's always good to hear. So, well, enough about that. Let me go ahead and get into some headlines here. We were just talking about Julian Edelman. And, you know, that that's kind of some lake-breaking stuff. You know, the past week, it's been about uh, Edelman retiring. He's had this lingering knee issue. He only played about six games last season. He just was not able to get back on both feet, literally, and get back out on the field. So I'm, I, I want to know what your thoughts are about Edelman's knee recovering and if that April Fool's joke becomes a reality. So just an aside real quick, I loved his retirement video. I wish, though, he would have just kind of said the first like five or six lines after they did the real cool you know, 360 shot with all the – the commentators, you know, talking about his biggest plays and all that stuff and the live footage and all that stuff. And then I have not seen it, by the way. I have not seen it. Check it out. It's, it's, it's really well thought of thought out, especially within um, the first couple minutes, but then it kind of drags on and, you know, Julia Edelman's always been a cocky guy and, you know, to to his credit, he deserves it. And, it, it kind of goes down from there, but either way, it's it's really cool concept, and if it's kind of like less is more with it, if they would have cut it off s- sooner, like I, I probably would have shed a tear. I'm not gonna lie, and I've never really been a big fan of the dude. Like I, like one of his lines where I always said I could play till the wheels come off, and he said, you know, he goes, and it looks like they finally come off, and like man, just to have that type of realization, you know, that type of come to reality moment. Um, for an athlete, it has to be tough. But anyways, I think it was Greg Allman on Twitter of The Athletic had a really good point that if the Bucks find themselves in depth trouble when it comes to the receivers, you know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans have battled injuries over the last couple of years. You've got Rob Gronkowski, even though he played all 16 games or actually all 21 games, as I should say, or 20 games, whatever the count is. Y'all know I'm not good at math. Um, you still have O.J. Howard, who has injury issues at tight end. He, Greg Allman was talking about, you know, if the Bucks do find themselves in need of a receiver <clears throat> like they were with Antonio Brown last mm-hmm. year in 2020, Edelman could be a possible midseason signing. I don't know how the, all the legalities would work in terms of him retiring. Well, it took five weeks for Antonio Brown to join the Bucks. So, I mean, when he was legally able to re-sign on to a team. Because well, no, I think suspension. I think his suspension his suspension ended like eight week games. eight, right? Right, but he was allowed yeah. to sign after week five, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, okay. gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so like I, I mean, man, the I'm not shutting the door on Edelman possibly playing with the Bucks. I'm not. Now, granted, there are a lot of things that have to happen in order for that to happen, but you never know at the end of the day. So the, the, the Patriots don't owe him anything, right? I mean, he fulfilled his two-year contract, which was 2019 to 2021. So they don't owe him anything. So there's really no trade that would have to happen similar to what happened with uh, Gronkowski. The Patriots still had some rights to him, right, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a little bit of a difference uh, with this retirement is that he's free and clear, right? I do not know to be 100%, but I based off of just what I've read in brief, um, that sounds right, but I'm not entirely sure. And I would hate to, you know, try to act like I know what I'm talking about when I don't, especially on your show, man. Chris, you got to follow yeah, and, up. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, I was looking at Edelman and I saw the, uh, the whole contract thing. I believe that you are right. It looked like it was terminated, um, because of, of that, 
that whole thing. Um, so I don't think they owe him anything just to go off of that. But, you know, Evan, I've seen a lot of people talking about Edelman being a Hall of Famer. You know, I don't know what they're looking at, but what do you think about it? No, no, not at all. It, uh, and to keep it in the Patriots lane, and yeah, I might get grilled for this in the Northeast for the, you know, six people who are probably listening up there because we all know they just listen to Patriot stuff. But Julian Edelman, people want to base his Hall of Fame, his potential Hall of Fame credentials off of his postseason play. Well, there's another Patriot who has very, very good numbers in the postseason, but he's nowhere even close to the Hall of Fame conversation. That's Kevin Falk. So Kevin Falk came out with so many clutch plays. He was a, a major producer for the Patriots in the playoffs. And yet nobody even sniffs his name. I think it's just because Julian played with Tom Brady and was his main guy, just like a Wes Welker, just like even a Randy Moss when Randy Moss was there, just like a uh, oh Troy Brown. Um, if you even want to go to what was David Givens there for a little while. I mean, just Brady's always never had elite receivers. He's always made the guys better. I'm not saying no disrespect, but better than they were. But no, Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer in my mind. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. You know, I don't know. Kevin Falk was such a great – he was probably and arguably one of Tom Brady's best running backs. Oh, yeah. I mean, just Absolutely. in terms of what he did and the clutch plays outside yeah. of the missed uh, fourth down conversion against the Well, Colts. you know, and I think he was at a disadvantage because you're right. I think he probably could have had a Hall of Fame career, but I think he was a little bit out of a disadvantage oh. having Tom Brady at the helm there. Uh Kind of oh, hindered they, they relied on heavily on Antoine Smith that for on the, for that first Super Bowl, and then they had Corey Dillon. They acquired him from, uh, or I don't, I can't remember if he was a free agent or a trade, but he was a main main factor in the 2003 Super Bowl, I believe. Um, no, actually, sorry, the 2004 Super Bowl, the this, the the last one to be repeated. Um, I don't know. They've always relied heavily on running backs, but Kevin Ball, Kevin Falk was more of that situational guy, that rotational guy. But like I said, had some huge games, came up with some clutch plays. Now, granted, he's not like second all-time in playoff receptions like Edelman is or whatever. I mean, he's got some impressive numbers in the playoffs. But unfortunately, I think if you want to be a Hall of Famer, you've got to do it in both phases. Um, And he, at the end of the day, he's just not a Hall of Famer in my mind. A lot of great talent, obviously, coming out of New England. Edelman, no doubt, is – one of those that that is an it is they are you know generational talents to a certain degree but unfortunately yeah i i have to agree that he's probably not hall of fame worthy either this is bucks nation you can message the show on twitter at bucks nation pod we're joined by bucks report lead writer and host of the new believe in bucks podcast evan winter the next one is probably one of the biggest storylines coming out across the nfl actually giovanni bernard signs with the tampa bay buccaneers for a one-year deal at the veteran minimum, which is pretty interesting. But this guy has a hell of a career. Unfortunately, I think he was a little bit banged up, uh, kind of slowed down. Joe Mixon kind of took over there in Cincinnati. Uh, I have family coming out of Cincinnati, and and they love the move. They think he, we're getting a stand-up guy. I mean, this guy is loved loved by the city of Cincinnati. And for for him to come to Tampa Bay, 
I think this is a big move. Now, I obviously this is a a direct um you know swap for LeSean McCoy. Sean McCoy, I think this is confer- confirmation that he will not be returning. But Fournette just signed. So let's break this down. Fournette just signed a one-year deal worth 3.25 million. So it's fairly substantial. Giovanni Bernard signs the one year one year deal for the veteran minimum at 1.075 million. He only took a $137,000 signing bonus. So help me frame this up in your own terms here, uh, Evan. You know, you you cover this team really well. Is this just a replacement for Shady? Uh, Is he a second or third down passing back to come in once in a while for Fournette? Or is this truly legitimate competition for Lombardi Lenny? I think it's more insurance than anything, uh, especially injury. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette both missed multiple games last year, even though Rojo was more COVID-related than anything, and that's probably not going to happen again this year. Uh, we have we have seen both of them be inconsistent in the passing game. The crazy part about all this, though, is so far in his career, uh, Leonard Fournette has a better catch percentage than Gio- uh, Giovanni Bernard, but Giovanni has also seen more volume and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, in the context of catch percentage, which does measure opportunities versus production, um, Leonard does have a higher catch percentage. But anyways, Giovanni, this is a great signing, especially for the veteran minimum. Um, he is the NFL's third leading back in terms of receiving and reception yards since he was drafted in 2013. And last year in 2020, he had a 0.1 EPA per uh, target on screen passes, and that was higher than Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, and Alvin Cook, three backs who are very well-known for what they do in the screen game. I mean, passing game in general, but especially the screen game. And we know how much the Bucks love to run screens. So he's automatically going to come down, come in on third downs on certain passing situations, all that good stuff. But the cool thing is he's a good zone runner. And the Bucks, even though they're more a power gap scheme, uh, they're starting five offensive linemen during the regular season because we know how that changed during the postseason. Uh, but they're starting five during the regular season, averaged 33% uh, zone run blocking snaps per PFF out of zone. So one third of the time, Tampa Bay is going to run zone. Bernard come playing in a zone scheme. He's cuts on a dime. He reads blocks. Well, um, he knows when to bend bank or bounce and he could possibly elevate a Bucks team that averaged four yards a carry um, when running zone again per SIS in the regular season. So there's a lot that he brings to this team and you got to like it. And especially for the veteran minimum, but at the same time, and I talked about this on Twitter a couple of days ago, it shouldn't rule out Tampa Bay taking a running back at 32. It shouldn't, even though I would be surprised at this point if they do, it shouldn't rule it out because three of your top four running backs aren't going to be here in 2022. And you know, Evan, I've been one to beat the drum on the Bucks taking a running back at 32, and I'm, I'm still on that boat with you. But going back to Giovanni Bernard, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about his pass protection. You know, yes. so how do you think the, the skill he brings to the table in that area would, would help him to get on field time? 
I was honestly hoping you one of y'all would bring that up because I was just talking for a long time there. So I tried to cut myself off. Uh, yeah, his pass protection is exceptional, um, especially if you're going off of PFF's metrics. And I'm not trying to inundate people with them too much because we all know at the end of the day, their grades are subjective. And out of everything they do, that's the most questionable aspect of their website. However, He's never registered below a below average grade outside of 2015 when he had like a 53.9. The last three years, he's had at least a 73 or higher, which is in the green. I mean, all day long. And Greg Amon put out today that he was the fourth, I believe, I, I might be misquoting, but either way, he was top five or seven. Uh, but I think it was he was the fourth best rated back in pass protection. That is going to be huge on third downs for this team, especially when they're in passing situations and they actually have to account for a back who can consistently catch the ball. Um, there's just like I, like I said, there's just all different types of ways that he's going to benefit this team. The fact that they get him for the veteran minimum only signifies how important this signing was and, and that's how you win Super Bowls. We saw it last year with Leonard Fournette, with Aaron Stinney, with Andrew Adams in the Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. These guys are going to have to step in at certain points, and they're going to have to make plays. And the more proven talent you have there, the better chance of that happening, and that equals Super Bowls. Can he be a better receiving back than Leonard Fournette? Yes, yes. And Leonard's good. I mean, he had, what, 75 receptions? in 2019 the year before he came to tampa bay i mean the dude can catch the ball and like i said even though it's a more limited sample size he has a higher catch percentage over the course of his career than giovanni bernard so yeah he can be just last year based off that one sample size it wasn't consistent enough and i tweeted this out a while ago um but i and i rehashed it in the article i wrote on bucks report today about what giovanni bernard brings to the bucks but both leonard fournette and ronald jones and i might be, even be misquoting myself i'm sorry guys it's just my utter lack of preparation <laughs> but anyways um both of them ranked in the top 5 of drop passes among running backs in the NFL. Keyshawn Vaughn was rated as the worst running back in terms of receiving in the passing game in the NFL. And Ronald Jones was rated as like the third or fourth worst running back in terms of receiving in the NFL. So you're talking about four out of the top five worst positions in these categories being held by three different running backs on the Bucks roster. So obviously something had to change in terms of pass catching running backs. And we know how much Tom Brady loves it. The move just makes sense. It was either this or Duke Johnson all day long. Number one in most dropped passes by a running Yeah, Greg Allman, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what Greg Allman said, so I thought that was pretty amazing. 74.8% catch rate, 342 receptions, 2,867 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's what we are getting from Giovanni Bernard just in the receiving game. So this guy, absolutely, I'm excited about it. I think it's a much better pick than Shady McCoy. I think this is going and and he's not slow, Evan. He's not slow. <laughs> Corey would be so happy right now. No, no, hey, he's listen. still got wheels, man. I mean, check out some of his tape. Uh, the cool thing about Game Pass, if y'all have Game Pass subscription, and for the listeners who out there who have it, is you can do a search like Giovanni Bernard 2020 biggest plays and go look at three or four of his biggest plays. It is absolutely clear 
And he's going to be a rotational back as long as he's not like the lead guy. But it's absolutely clear that he still has the wheels. He still has the agility. He can get it done at, at an effective level. We've been talking with Bucks Report lead writer Evan Winter, formerly of Bucks Nation. Uh, I just can't get over saying that. I almost want to say <laughs> Bucks Nation lead writer, but I can't. Uh, it's always good to have you back, man. I want to ask one more question here, and this is leading into draft. NFL draft is happening in two weeks from now. Next week, it's going to get hot and heavy. We're going to start seeing a lot of mock drafts coming out. We're going to start seeing uh, a lot of coverage come out of Bucks Nation, as well as Bucks Report, as well as many other of the networks supporting your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let me go ahead and get your thoughts. Knowing the Buccaneers will take the long view heading into this year's draft, they're going to they're going to take the best player. We all know that they they have that advantage to take the best player at thirty two. But knowing that, if there were three or four players sitting around that spot all in different positions, which position does Jason Light focus on? I think you got to go front seven on the defense, whether it's outside linebacker, defensive Edge. line. We know we know Todd Bowles, there's really no defensive tackle, defensive end designation on that, on that defensive line. So I just say defensive line. And even inside linebacker, because Levante David, yes, he signed a five-slash-two-year deal his cap number balloons up to 14 million. It's only like what 3 million this year or whatever it is. Next year it balloons up to 14 million. And then the next three years are avoidable years. You got to find somebody next to play Devin White, even though Devin White can really equal two guys in terms of his sideline, the sideline speed and what he does. That's on the lower end. But either, either way, I am a huge fan of Tampa Bay trading up in this draft, especially now uh, after they've signed Giovanni Bernard. I mean, there are just at this point, there are so many limited roster spots. Now, granted, a lot of these spots are going to open up in the next couple of years because of these voidable year contracts that the players have signed and how the right. salary cap's going to work. But the NFL has also shown this year that they can continue to just milk the teat of these TV contracts. I mean, a hundred percent increase or a fifty whatever whatever the increase was, it was at least fifty percent this year, hundred billion dollars. I mean, they're showing that each year, as long as there is no pandemic, which if I'm not mistaken, the last pandemic that happened before the coronavirus was uh I'm talking about in this context was the Spanish flu in like nineteen twelve or whatever. So as long as there isn't a one hundred year pandemic every, you know, so often they're going to be making money. So this year, I think you trade up in the draft. There's going to be limited roster spots. You're going to have plenty of cap room in the next few years to re-sign these veterans that you're going to need to re-sign. Um, and you find an impact player. Anthony Nelson played 30% of defensive snaps last year. You could easily draft a guy, and I'm not saying this guy's going to work out or anything. It's just an in-context, you know, a relevant example. But Jalen Phillips, you could draft a guy like him, and he could be expected to take over a lot of that playing time for Anthony yeah. Nelson and be more effective and be a guy that could replace a JPP who is currently without a contract going into next year. So regardless, I would love to see them draft – or sorry, I would love to see them trade up in the draft. But if they stay at 32 – a Joe Tryon, I really like him. He feels like a more polished okay. product, better in run defense than a lot of the other edge guys. I don't like – I like Greg Russo's size, but I feel like he's better suited for a 4-3 defense. Um, regardless, Joe Tryon, 
a uh, Asante Samuel Jr. He's a little short for a Todd Bowles defense, but he still has a good press man coverage qualities, even a Greg Newsome, even though I think he's going to go higher. But like I said earlier, at the end of the day, if Tampa Bay takes a Najee Harris, if he's there, or a Travis Etienne, then I won't be too upset with that. I will be surprised, but I feel like they can still go BPA at 32. Well, like Zach Bogner of uh, 95.3 said, you know, you can never have enough defensive linemen. I mean, or anyone in the trenches for that matter. And we do have the correct pronunciation of Travis Etienne. Okay. We have Travis Etienne and we have, uh, and it's Najee Harris. Najee oh. Harris. Yeah, he, if you wow. watch their pro days, they were very particular in making sure that we are pronouncing their names correctly. Out so here. wait, hold on. So, so, so Nod, Najee, Najee Harris is a, is a Tarod Taylor. Like he's just been letting <laughs> people say his name wrong all these years. I mean, it's he was having a problem with it. I bro, Travis oh, was he, a little lighter on it, but Najee was a little like, no, nah, man, where are you getting this Najee from? It's not Najee. I, I've never understood this phenomenon <laughs> with athletes and allowing people to mispronounce their names. Like people love to put an S at the end of my last name and make it Evan winners. And that shit makes me, I, sorry, I don't know if we can, we can curse on, sorry, but either way that, that stuff makes me irate as hell. Like I'm like, dude, get my name right. When do you, but that's also a Southern thing. But anyway, <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't understand this phenomenon with NFL players and allowing people to mispronounce their names. You like, and I obviously have very easy red flags in the draft process. Chris right here, obviously knows this very well with his last name. So it's not very <laughs> easy. Well, Hey, thanks a lot for stopping by, man. Really appreciate it. We've been talking with bucks report lead writer and host of the believe in bucks podcast, Mr. Evan winter. No need for an introduction. However, tell everybody where they can find you. Find me on booksreport.com. Uh, find me on the Believe Podcast family, Believe in Bucks. And then you can find me on Twitter if you really, really want to get to know me and really find a way to put up with me at some in some regard. But uh, at Evan underscore winner, all lowercase. And, of course, don't forget the underscore in the middle. All right, man. It's always great to have you back, man. You're always welcome here on Bucks Nation. We're going to go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. This is Bucks Nation. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Bucks Nation. It's block three. You know what that means. Here we go. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. Chris, I don't give a buck about these teams not participating in the voluntary off-season workout sessions, otherwise known as OTAs. They successfully took care of business under a lot more pressure last year, right? We were talking about it in that first block. It pushed players to find a way to work out and stay healthy. And they did it. The Buccaneers did it. They pieced together a very successful Frankenstein experiment and they ha- managed to win the Super Bowl. Now, all teams were at a disadvantage. There was no preseason, a lot of teams, and there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of free agency moves, etc. cetera. Uh, so, so no team was really at an advantage over others. There was a lot of quarterback moves. You know, Phillip Rivers goes to... Uh, Indianapolis, and there were several other moves that happened. So no team was truly at an advantage heading into last season. And I have to say that with the Buccaneers, with a brand new quarterback, I mean, the, the, 
the coaching staff was only in their second year. I mean, it's not like they had a shit ton of years that they were, you know, preparing for a scenario like this where they have this whole game plan drafted up. They couldn't even talk about the game plan. Uh, you know, I mean, it took Tom Brady breaking into a house to get the game plan. <laughs> but there was a lot more pressure at that time. There was a lot more unknown. There was a lot more speculation as to how bad this pandemic and this uh, coronavirus was. And there was a lot of scared people. And, and, and for them to still be pressured to do their job, some opted out. But for those that wanted to stick it out and, and, and they put their best foot forward and they made it happen. You know, the Bucks did not need these early off-season OTAs. They did not need them. They were able to figure it out. As long as there's still a training. Now, here's the other caveat to this, Chris. As long as there is a true training camp and and we have a full preseason, even though it's limited to three games, but if there's everything leading up into that offseason with the full roster, I think we'll be okay. That's why I don't give a buck about these teams now participating in the voluntary OTAs. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. And you know, Jason, I'm absolutely going to have to agree with you on that. Like these, these are professional athletes. These aren't people who are just coming off the street. We don't think they're, they're working out. I mean, these guys have gyms in their homes. They have plenty of opportunities to go and work out on their own. And, and I don't really think they need all this. If they have a copy of the playbook and they, they keep working their workout regimen and everything, then they should be fine. But, you know, Jason, I don't give a buck if the Bucks draft a running back this year, even though they currently have Giovanni Bernard, Leonard Fournette, Rojo, and Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, only one of these guys will be signed to the Bucks after 2021, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. This team needs, absolutely needs, to have someone in line to take over at the future of the position. You know, Fournette is is a fine running back, and, and I think he might price himself out of Tampa Bay next year. To be fair, in in my opinion, Giovanni Bernard, he's a one he signed on for one year, and he could stay, he could go. We still don't know yet. And Rojo might also price himself out. I mean, the guy's an absolutely fantastic runner. You know, I, I just don't see the Bucks being able to afford all three of those guys next year in free agency. And I didn't. I don't think it's a priority. I don't think it's necessarily something they got to take in the first round. But looking down in the draft, looking at someone like Demetric Felton or Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis, you know these two guys are known for catching the ball out of the backfield, and they even have the ability to line out wide. And and I think that they'd be pretty good picks down the line and people that could really take over. And uh, Jason, that's why I don't give a fuck if the Bucks draft a running back this year. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Bernard's had his injury issues too, right? I mean, he's he's had a knee injury. Um, Joe Mixon obviously took over starting duties. Uh, we've seen over the past couple of years. You know, Bernard was great, and and from a fantasy perspective, loved him two three years ago. You know, um, he's he's a good running back. I agree. I mean, maybe he found himself being, you know, I, I don't think he would have found himself on a very good team or in a very good position on a very good team uh, heading into this 2021 season. And for the Bucks to come calling and taking the veteran minimum, I mean, that's that's intelligent. That's that's humbling yourself. You got to be humble, brother, to take that, you know, especially when you were 
when you were pretty sought after, you know, in that first couple of years of your career, and obviously uh, it did peter off there pretty quickly. Chris, I don't give a buck if Julian Edelman comes to Tampa Bay. I think we've ruled it out by now. He is retiring. He's hanging up the cleats. I don't think that he's going to pull something out of a magic hat and he's going to come back. And as we talked to Evan about, I don't think that I wouldn't rule it out. The front office has done some crazy things, especially halfway through the season. If week five, week six, week seven turns out and we've got another Mike Evans injury, another Chris Godwin injury. If we've got injuries on the tight end position, now that we have all three of them back, right? I, I think it is very realistic that they could think about it, but I wonder if half of a Julian Edelman is as good as a full Antonio Brown, regardless of the price, you know, match there. I'm a little indifferent about it. I think it'll be good. Um, I am worried about the knee. I think that that's going to be a concern. I don't know if that, I think that will significantly devalue him. And I think he realizes that heading into this next season into, I don't, I don't know if he could have hit the free market and found himself at a value. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Edelman is Edelman, right? He is one of the postseason, one of the best in the postseason, as we've said. But look at the money. We talked about it in the, the first segment. We talked about it a little bit in the second. Look at that price comparison. Two years, $15.5 million contract just in the past two years. And that's what uh, Robert Kraft and the front front uh, office staff have paid Julian Edelman. Antonio Brown only made $1.7 million. Now, which which area, which end of the spectrum do you think the Bucks are going to be going in into the next season? They're not going past $3 million, right? You think Edelman honestly could be going for a $3 million contract? And knowing that you're playing second, third string at the best? I don't know. That's why I don't give a buck if Julian Edelman comes to Tampa Bay. I don't give a fuck. 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 Yeah, and, and I absolutely agree with you. Again, batting a thousand a day. You know, I, I, I'm looking at Edelman, and, and he's old. He has that injury, and you know, I, I really don't think he fits this offense as much as people want to try to fit him in just because he has that connection with Tom Brady. I really don't think he he has a place. I mean, you sure you could bring him in on certain downs as a rotational type of guy, but for you know, as you were talking about the price point. You know, if he's willing to take less than he made last year, which he should because of the injury, but even if he does come in at that $3 million, is $3 million really worth it for a guy that's just going to come in on a rotational basis? And so that's, you know, I, I think I'm absolutely going to have to agree with you on that. And, you know, I'm going to make this next one sticking to the draft. And, Jason, I don't give a buck about if the Bucks draft a quarterback this year. You know, I have seen so many people talk about how a quarterback is a need for this team as a backup and to eventually take over for Tom Brady after his two years is up. You know, they they say that somebody can come in, learn under him, and take over, just like a Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith or an Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. But who in this draft that is going to fall to 32 or later will be worth that starter going forward. You know, looking at someone, I've seen people bring up the name Kyle Trask, and maybe, but that looks like a little bit of uh, UF bias to me. 
you know, Davis Mills is another one that's talked about. But as, as I talked about last time, I really don't think he's a, a starter going forward. Um, good backup, maybe. You know, so if the Bucks draft a quarterback, I don't think it's going to make any difference. Tom Brady's, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott's don't grow on trees. And that, Jason, is why I don't give a buck about the Bucks taking a quarterback. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. Listen, I'm a Florida Gator fan, so yeah, I I don't even know if Kyle Trask gets in the first round. I'd be a little. I'd be a little surprised. I mean, Bruce Arian said they do want a young quarterback, but I think there's plenty of them, and I think second, third, fourth round, they could find somebody to to coach and mentor and grow behind. Uh, one of the greatest to ever do it in the game. And that's not just in the postseason. That's in the regular season. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I I agree there. And and there's a lot of great picks at number 32, as well as at 64, that the Buccaneers get to look at the long view. Well, Chris, that will finally wrap it up for episode four of the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. You can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation. And you can find me at Cynical Bucks Fan. And you can find our Twitter at Bucks Nation Pod. And you can find all of our written work where we bring you the best headlines and storylines at BucksNation.com. Stay tuned in each week as we continue to bring you views from all different directions from Bucks coverage, news across the NFL, fantasy football, and from you, Bucks Nation. Submit a question or make a shout out in our new mailbag by shooting us an email at BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter. And again, that email is BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us your name and a message, and we'll get it up on the air. Leave us a review on Apple, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons. I ain't See you. I ain't kissing no baby. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't got to let him in. Don't trip.